Great teachers don't just come from the classroom. They can be found almost anywhere in your life. That's why we, Wade and Hope King, created this podcast to connect you with the stories, the tools, and the joy you need to take education to the next level. Nowadays, everyone's an educator. Whether you chose that career or not. And we're all in this together. So come on, let's do this. It's time to get your teach on. What is up, Get Your Teach On community? Welcome back to another podcast episode. Today, we are so excited to have a conversation with Shane Feldman. He is just honestly one of the most incredible human beings. He is um, behind the Count Me In movement. He has traveled over 29 countries researching community, leadership, and human behavior and the impact that that has on our world. He has so many amazing stories, um, but what we really wanted to talk with him about today is about the role that he plays as a keynote speaker traveling these countries and also representing the LGBTQ plus community um, and the role that inclusivity has played in his life and what outcomes that has caused for him um, and created for him and what opportunities that has created for him as well. We think that this is just so powerful us, for us as educators to remember that everything in our classroom begins with number one, creating a safe space, and number two, providing um, an opportunity to create connections between ourselves and our students along with um, our students and their peers. So we cannot wait for you just to gain some wisdom and insight from Shane. And so we hope that you enjoy this episode. Let's welcome Shane. We are so excited to welcome the one and only Shane Feldman to the podcast, everybody. Welcome, Shane. Thanks, Hope. Wade, so excited to be here with you both. So listen, before we dive into what we're going to chat about today on the podcast, I just want for you, I know that if our community tapped into our um back to school conference, our rock your school conference. You were part of that event, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, but if they did not get to tap into that and see your incredible just words of wisdom that you gave, I want you to introduce yourself. Tell us all about who you are, um, and where we can find you and more information about you. Sure. Uh, well, hello everyone. I'm Shane Feldman, uh, <laughs> best known in the education world as the founder of Count Me In. It's a global social entrepreneurship incubator all about inspiring the next generation of community-minded leaders and entrepreneurs and change makers. Uh, our, our curriculum and programs and school tours uh, reach students in 104 countries. We have more than 10 million people as part of that community, uh, mostly middle school and high school students. Uh, I actually stepped down as CEO from Count Me In just over a year ago, and I'm working on some other exciting things, including uh, trainings and, and speaking and a lot of other fun stuff with a, with a bunch of companies based across the U.S., but uh, my background, my, my life, my world for uh, almost 15 years was education, supporting students and teachers, and helping people be stronger community builders. Yeah, so um, just curious, because, I mean, if you're listening, you can't see this, but behind you, Shane... <laughs> What what is that? <laughs> so if if you are only listening, I have a a pin world map behind me. So it's a map of the world uh, with pins of everywhere that I have actually researched community building on the ground. So I've actually researched community leadership and human behavior on the ground across 29 countries and five continents uh, over the last decade or so. And uh, checking off a few more boxes soon. We should reach seven continents 
in about six months wow. from now. So I'm headed to Australia and then Antarctica in the new year is the plan. So just, I'm a research nerd, Wade. I got to understand <laughs> how people build community across different cultures and areas. Mm. There's so much that we have to learn in America. And in some ways, I find that we have leadership backwards a lot of the time. So you need to kind of look in those grassroots small towns and communities across different cultures to better understand how, as social animals, we can really better connect, whether it's with the student walking through your door who just needs that instant moment of emotional connection, or maybe with you know yourself, your colleagues, other peers in your school. There's so much that we can do every single day to be more intentional community builders. See, I knew that. I. <laughs> In my mind, like I literally didn't know that, know that, but I figured, oh, that's what that is. <laughs> With that, though, when did you figure out like it was important or, or when, when did that sense of um, purpose get established for you to tap into communities and how important communities are and understanding them? When was that? Uh, well, the, the truth is like the there were a couple seeds planted early on. So the first seed was actually, believe it or not, when I was four years old. So four-year-old Shane, I still remember to this day, like it was yesterday, which is hilarious because, you know, who remembers things from when they were four? Uh, but I, I do. Really do. Barely. Really, yeah. Okay. But, but sometimes you have these really important integral memories. So I remember my mom coming to me one Saturday and saying, Shane, today's going to be transportation day. And I'm thinking, what's that? And my mom's plan was for us to just spend the entire day riding all different types of public transportation. And I was lucky enough to grow up in and around the city of Toronto, which had some really cool public transportation options that ranged from buses to subways to light rail, even a little ferry that went across the lake. Uh, and so I remember going to a bus stop and then a subway station and uh, there was no destination in mind these days. The journey was the destination, but these days were amazing. and. I still have some of the drawings, I wish I could show them to you, from kindergarten at the time, and I was drawing all the different types of transportation we were riding, but this is what I find most fascinating, and really to me speaks to this, this human need that we all have to connect and to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. I always made a point to draw all the people that we saw along the way. Whether it was the old man selling flowers at the subway station, or the bus driver, you know, families with their strollers and crying babies, or business people in their fancy suits. And to me, even at four years old, of course I didn't have language, but I just felt surrounded by all these stories and conversations. I felt like I was a part of such a larger fabric of society. And what I now know looking back is that I was starting to build this obsession with what I now recognize as true community. And this planted a really important seed and it's even more you know, interesting looking back, realizing now that these big elaborate transportation days that really started to chart a course for me uh, was really just my mom's creative resourceful way as a single parent struggling to pay rent at the time to keep her four-year-old kid entertained for the cost of a single bus token. Mm. But, you know, while we did not know what was really happening at the time, she was providing so much more than entertainment. She was planting the seed of community building and exploration and adventure. And that just continued to evolve and grow. We moved around a lot after my parents' divorce. So uh, every move was kind of this reminder of the importance and the excitement of adventure and community and meeting new people. And that didn't dissipate as I grew older and started middle school and high school. It just continued to grow. 
and as I was growing Count Me In, starting to work with students and teachers across all kinds of borders and cultures around the world, I had this growing fascination and this growing desire to really start traveling and better understand how community is built and how people connect and build relationships in all different parts of the world. Do you feel like through that, that you were supported in school with your passion and excitement. Can I, can I ask a question? Yeah, if but I I'm talk just, to Shane I love, I love Shane so I'm much. Like, Sh- Shane, you and I were just joking that this is the first time that you and I have even gotten to speak to one another. It doesn't because matter. Wade, he's, he's my best friend. Wade, Wade has I go been way hogging. Back. Yeah. Way back when. <laughs> Wade has been hogging all your time. And I'm like he's so my time. fascinated I am with your stories. And I'm like, wait a second. Can I, can I talk to Shane about something here? Is that, can, <laughs> yes. Can you we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Can you table your, your question for <laughs> Shane, I'm gonna fight for time with you. Okay, you, I just usually want you to she know. just interrupts me, and I'm not sure why she's not. I but mean, apparently, that was guys, it. Stop I was fighting. We can all be friends. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally kidding. But I do. I I, I want to go back to something that you talked about. Um, just as I was listening about you and how your mom planted seeds for you Mm -hmm. and just Mm -hmm. what you noticed about the community surrounding you. And one of the biggest things that I heard you say was connection. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as an educator and, and what we do, the work that we do with Get Your Teach On, having, you know, a big focus on student engagement, right? We've always been huge about what does that look like in the classroom for student mm-hmm. engagement? And early on, you know, because of what social media portrays and the things that you post on social media and, and what people kind of conclude about you from those couple square boxes that they see, you know, um, a lot of early on in, in what the work that we did, people, you know, saw room transformations, decorations, music, lights, camera, action. And they thought that that was all we did to engage our learners and to make mm-hmm. these connections with mm-hmm. them. And, you know, that couldn't be further from the truth. Why that was a piece of it, one of the things that we share so much with schools now is that none of that matters until you have a direct connection to your kids. Mm -hmm. That those Mm -hmm. lessons are fun and exciting, and yes, school should be magical for learners, but honestly, kids aren't going to partake in that and be excited and be driven and be motivated if they're not directly connected to the educator in the room delivering the content. That's what I was trying to say, but she says it in such a better way. (laughs) Don't take, no, don't take my time. Um, But Shane, I'm just curious though, because you talked so much about, you know, your early years, what did that look like for you going through school? Mm. What did your connection look like with the educators in your building? Because you were so aware of connections and the need for connections. And you even talked about how everything was kind of fabricated and woven together. What did that look like and how was that represented in school for you? I was actually, and I, I literally have like a first grade report card where they write this and use this language. But uh, my mom used to say it all the time growing up too. I was very adult centered as a kid. And so what that really means to me, thinking back and hearing my mom talk about it and reading those old report cards, is that I had a lot of trouble getting along with kids my own age. Uh, Not that there were fights, there was no bullying, nothing like that, but I had a difficult time making friends and connecting with kids my own age, so I leaned on teachers a lot to feel connection, to feel a sense of belonging. Um, you know, I, I could microanalyze myself all day. Maybe it comes from a challenging home life. Maybe it comes uh, from sexuality, even at a very formative age, you know, having a lot of trouble understanding myself. And uh, for whatever reason, I really leaned on my teachers a lot. And I can tell you, 
looking back, and this is true for myself growing up in school and also true in the dozens and dozens, probably near a hundred different schools and school districts that I've actually trained in now, uh, I can tell you with absolute certainty that it is never the brownies and the rooms decorated like jungles that make the real difference for the kid. Mm. It is mm. the 10 seconds of intentional listening and eye contact and really being there offering that emotional connection to a kid because you might be the only moment of true connection that kid gets all day, all week. Mm. It's really hard for us to have a thorough understanding of what kids are going through at home. And while the, the jungles can be fun and baking brownies and staying six hours after school, that, you know, not only can all that lead to burnout real quick, and that's often what happens with our very best teachers out there. They just put a little too much effort in sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's also not what's needed. You know, you don't need to spend six hours after school and bake brownies at 5 a.m. and, you know, paint your room like a jungle. You got to show up, give a high five to your kids as they come through the door, make eye contact. And, you know, when they come up to share something, they often don't need your advice or feedback. They often just need you to listen mm. and help them feel like it's going to be okay. Mm. That, that, mm. that is huge. And, you know, the more that we're, we're seeing things evolve and in the direction that so many schools and education is taking, mm -hmm. just the power of that. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, one of the biggest things that, to me, that I've learned as an educator that drives those connections is creating a space where kids can show up authentically. Mm -hmm. They can show up exactly as who they are. They can be accepted. They can be loved. They can be represented. They can be valued that will go so much further in life and even academically, right? If that's what we're looking at in schools, even academically by creating that safe space. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is honestly the foundation of engagement of is everything. creating it is. a safe space. Mm -hmm. Once that is established, then those connections can mm -hmm. start to happen. And once, once those connections start to happen, then all of that fun can take place because it's rooted in meaning. It's mm -hmm. rooted in value. It's not just doing something to put a Band-Aid on a bigger issue, right? right. And so creating that authentic safe space, um, I know that you have talked so much about being, you know, um, obviously a speaker and you traveled the world and you talked to so many um, adults and educators and you know, just leaders, leaders and, and so many different people of this world. Um, but you have also been vocal about being a member of the LGBTQ community. And I watched a clip that you actually sent to Wade and Wade shared it with me. Believe it or Wade did tell me some things that you guys talked about, Shane, and your I might not have gotten to talk to you, okay? But he did tell me something. No, but he sent me a clip. Um, it was of a, a when you were giving a speech yep. and it was a story about a speech that you had given and a response from the client. The client who had contracted you to come and give that speech. And I don't know if that's something that you're willing to share here, but the power of that story and what it means to be able to show up into a space authentically mm -hmm. and what can happen if that is taken from you. And so I don't know if you would be willing to share that story um, with sure. our audience and our teachers. We, I would just love for you to be able to share that with them. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. And I think it's, it's relevant. I mean, this is a, a corporate story of a corporate experience, but this is the kind of thing that uh, kids go through all the time. Yep. Uh, if you know someone, which I'm sure you do, in the LGBTQ plus community, or maybe you yourself uh, are part of that community, 
you are likely very aware that coming out isn't something that happens one time. It's something that happens every single day, sometimes multiple times a day, forever. Uh, and that's just what it's like to be part of that community. And so for me, it took immense courage to start to actually share that I was gay on stage. And it's not kind of part of my quote unquote signature story. I'm not on stage talking about, you know, growing up being gay. It's just not, I focus on community building and share a lot of amazing travel stories. And, uh, but even so, I felt like as I was kind of coming into myself and, uh, spending so much of my time in these arenas talking on, on stage in front of remarkable people, I felt like I was hiding. I felt like it, it was disingenuous for me not to at least use a pronoun or, you know, say something on stage that made it clear that I'm part of the LGBTQ plus community. And so I started to build the courage to, to share it on stage. And uh, there was one particular event that went remarkably well. And it was one of those events that had like a lineup of a half hour wait to talk to me afterwards of all these audience members uh, <laughs> in this, this small town in the Midwest. And it was a really remarkable leadership event. And I thought it went incredibly well. And then the following day, the agent who helped contract this event calls me and tells me to sit down and says, I don't know how to share this with you. So I'm just going to read the email. And he read the email from the client from the event the night before that went so well. And it said, you know, Shane hit all of our goals. He checked off all of our objectives. He's a phenomenal speaker. However, uh, we didn't know until yesterday that he's gay, which is not aligned with our organization's values. And so we'd like to request a full refund. And I just about lost it, uh, you know, on this call, listening to this email being read to me, feeling so uh, judged and categorized in a way that to me just doesn't make sense and is quite inhuman, right? And that, that's what, what I was feeling at the time. And there was tons of other aftermath that I won't you know, bore you with now, uh, just navigating that and unpacking that with the agent, with the client. And, you know, it should not be a position that anyone's ever, ever put in. But unfortunately, we live in a world where fear and difference drives more and more uh, friction between people. And this is becoming more and more prevalent with students and with kids as they're learning about themselves and growing up and navigating these really challenging times, what we need more than ever is unconditional love, acceptance, and support of our kids. And I think that's really one of the most important things that I took out of that whole experience is realizing how critical it was. Like, thank goodness I was surrounded by friends and family members at the time that offered me that unconditional love, acceptance, and support. Because if I was one of those people that didn't have that supportive community, both biological and chosen family, if I wasn't one of those people that felt like I had an amazing safety net, that call would have been far more detrimental than it was, right? It was still hard. It launched six months of PTSD where I would physically shake on stage when I was getting to the part where I, was, where I would share. In fact, there were quite a few events where I wouldn't share, right? I basically climbed back into the closet just because I was so ashamed for no reason at all, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's a, a really important reminder that especially in our formative years, we really need people in our vicinity who we consider to be role models and mentors and teachers to offer the unconditional love, acceptance, and support that every human being, regardless of uh, gender identity or sexuality or cultural background, or skin color, you know, the, the dignity and love and respect that we truly deserve as fellow human beings. Yeah. The, the work that you do, and this just 
as you're telling that, I mean, I'm just like, oh my gosh, what what if he was too afraid to be who he is or to to continue the mission that oh my seven continents, right? You are literally saving human lives. Imagine, I mean, I'm just imagining to myself if you didn't have that community and that support and mm-hmm. the people who are around you, like how many lives would not have been positively impacted mm-hmm. just because of a fearful statement from someone. So, I mean, thank you so much. Uh, And you don't need that from us, but just thank you for being who you are and being brave enough to share. And because there there are tons of people out there and there are tons of educators out there who they could be teaching the next Shane Feldman, right? (laughs) And, And creating that space that is safe to build that connection, to build that support Instead of just, it's easy to be fearful. Yeah. It's easy to latch on to that, right? Mm-hmm. It's harder to overcome that and to yeah. see uh, what we can truly do. I mean, I just think from, you know, as I was, I was listening to, to that story on the clip and then hearing you retell it and just thinking from an educator's perspective, right? How there's so many times as educators that we're like, well, these kids just won't listen. They just won't, you know, connect to what I'm teaching them. They just don't care about education or school. They're too into technology and the world of YouTube and video games and talking about all of the other things they're connected to. But I'm thinking, you know, about how many students are sitting in classrooms and perhaps they feel as though that they have not either seen representation or been accepted or possibly lived through very similar experiences with with educators in the building who have put them through a very similar situation to what you experienced. And even if that situation wasn't connected to you, they connect you to educators. And so they're just like you with other speeches. They're going on a new stage to a new teacher and thinking, well, this teacher's not going to accept me either. Mm -hmm. This teacher Mm -hmm. and the trauma that is associated with that. And, and that right there is why connection is so critical, but also creating that space to where kids can come exactly as they are Mm -hmm. and know that they don't have to put on a show. They don't have to put on a performance. They don't have to hide that, Um, which that's also very hard. It's also very hard to connect to kids because of their past, because of experiences with other people and other humans. Um, So I guess, you know, in the work that you've done, what kind of, I I guess we'll call it tips for, for lack of a better term, but what as educators can we do? to really start, you know, in addition to the things that educators are already doing, right? What can educators do to really create that space, that safe haven to where kids know that first and foremost, they can show up as themselves. And then that's where we can start tapping Mm -hmm. into the potentials that they possess. Hmm. I mean, I really truly believe that some of the most complex problems in the world call for the most simple solutions. And so I think the answer was right there embedded in your question. What can teachers do? Maybe instead of spending all the time redecorating your classroom every other day, you seek out those moments for intentional connection and community building. You create that space, right? You have that moment of connection with kids. Maybe make it a goal that, you know, throughout a week you're having at least one or three or five individual moments of connection with every single one of your students. And that could be really simple. It could literally be a high five. It could be a hello. It can be, you know, share one good, bad, or ugly thing that's happened in the last, you know, day in your life. Just giving them an opportunity to share and start to create that rapport. 
you know, this isn't about kids opening up and sharing their darkest secrets with you. That's not what we need more of necessarily, right? But we certainly want to make sure they feel a sense of rapport. And, uh, you know, my good friend Josh Ship says kids spell trust, T-I-M-E. And so I think we all need to remember it's not the brownies. It's not the jungle painted classroom. It's just investing a little bit more time. Small amounts of intentional time make the world of a difference. I said it before. I'll say it again. It's about 10 seconds of intentional listening, showing up for kids just 10 seconds at a time to offer that emotional connection that they might so desperately need right then in that moment from you. Intentional. Yeah. intentional and i think that's the key word there that's i mean it's just, people live their lives by default instead of by design and this is one of those moments wow. where you can't do that you really need to live in that more thoughtful intentional frame of mind realizing just how important it is that you put in that extra 10 seconds of energy per kid per day just to make sure they feel seen and welcome and heard and so yeah having that wow I'm going to write that line that you just said down somewhere and put it. Def- not, <laughs> yes. yeah, we live it by default, not by design. I mean, that mm-hmm. is just extremely, you know, thought provoking for the work that we do. Yeah. And so I just have one more question before we let you go, because we, I'm sure you're jet setting to another country, <laughs> continent, area. Yeah, um, to Germany. <laughs> good. I'm hopping on the plane with you. Um, the final question that I have because of the work that you've done in community, and obviously mm-hmm. classrooms are just that, a community. Schools Absolutely. are just that a community and they're within an even larger community. And so we've talked a lot about, you know, us as the educator and the role that we have to make those connections, to create a classroom that is inclusive, to create a classroom that is accepting, to create a classroom that prioritizes love over all else, Mm. prioritizes the safety of students Mm. over all else and Mm. the difference that that can make. What can we do as educators? Because it, we're not the only part of that community. We, we don't direct all the conversations. We don't choose what other children say or kids say or the mm-hmm. conversations that they have on the playground. Or, mm-hmm. you know, we, we can obviously instill good, you know, values and morals and, and all of those components. But what can we do as educators to also build a community that is accepting, that is loving, that prioritizes, you know, others before ourselves almost. Um, Just in the work that you've done with community, what would be some top things that you would say, because again, you were talking about how simple, you know, oftentimes Mm -hmm. it's a simple solution. Mm -hmm. So what can educators do to really focus on that community aspect between peers um, within our classrooms? Thank you for that question, Hope. I, I, that's really the, the thesis of the children's book that I wrote a couple years ago, a kid's book about community. And in a kid's book about community, I paint this picture, not only how I built Count Me In from this you know, little project in school, but also how what I've fundamentally learned traveling the world in this kind of quote unquote search for community is that community isn't something you ever need to find. It's something that we all get to create every single day. And it starts with those moments of connection and often what kids need, sometimes even what adults need is an invitation. And so what I would uh, encourage all teachers to do perhaps a little more often is invite your students to be community builders, invite your students to lead those moments of connection, to seek out the people that want to have shared experiences with them And that'll also empower our kids to realize they don't need to hang out with the the kids that aren't making them feel good, right? They can go find kids that are more aligned, that they do want to hang out in the playground with. And, 
sometimes kids get stuck in a cycle, right? They feel like, well, these are the kids that I have to hang out with, or these are the kids that are cool, or you know, whatever it is, mm. the story that we're telling ourselves in that moment. And so that invitation to explore, that invitation to be curious, that invitation to go out and be a community builder, I believe can make a fundamental culture shift throughout a playground and an entire school community. Thank you for that. That, I mean, it's just, I think that we, a lot of times as humans get so overwhelmed, especially when situations spike in our nation or in our world. And, and we're like, oh my gosh, we have to, you know, save the world. We have to, we have to, what big, you know, endeavor can we do? What big task can we take on? How can we help? And, you know, I love the way that you bring it back down to the grassroots of where we are and that that's, you know, it, it truly is simplified um, simple I'm, changes. I mean, I was that, just sitting here thinking about just Maverick yesterday. Mm-hmm. I mean, playing with kids on the playground and he, how he was getting frustrated because he felt like mm-hmm. he was supposed to do that. And even as a parent, I'm like, yeah. I, I can do that right now. Mm-hmm. Like when we go out to the playground, I can do that today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just allowing that opportunity to, to, uh, make him feel comfortable to say, Oh, okay, well I'll, I'll just explore other options that I have here. So right, exactly. And and words are powerful, right? These mm. kinds of conversations matter. Uh, my my partner Justin always says we got to lead with intrigue and curiosity, and I think that's all we could ever ask for from our kids yeah. and from fellow teachers. Because when we lead with intrigue and curiosity, we ask questions and we judge a lot less. That's right. That's right. Well, that is the perfect conclusion to this conversation with you. First of all, um, before we wrap things up here, Shane, just thank you. Thank you for coming on here. Thank you for sharing stories from your past that help us all be better humans, that help us all make us all more aware of what others are going through, even if we're not experiencing those very things ourselves, that that Mm -hmm. is such a huge piece. And just stories, Mm -hmm. understanding people's stories and backgrounds, and man, the difference that can make in the way that we approach certain situations and handle things within the work that we do with other humans. And and that's just so important. So Shane, um, where can our audience connect with you, learn more about you, find that children's book um, (laughs) that you've written, because I know they're going to want to have that resource in their classroom. Besides being at Get Your Teach On this summer. Yeah, besides being at Get Your Teach On this (laughs) summer, where else can our educators connect with you? For sure. Uh, well, shanefeldman.com is kind of where I live digitally online, but you can find me on Instagram, you know, LinkedIn, anywhere that you hang in social online, you can find me. And then if you just Google a kid's book about community, uh, that'll probably get you to the book uh, fastest. Uh, but it's it, the publisher is uh, a kid's company, and the book is actually called A Kid's Book About Community. So make sure to check that out and, uh, and hopefully pick up a copy if there's a kid in your life that you think could benefit. And uh, Hope Wade, I just want to thank you. I mean, we've been talking about creating space. I just want to thank both of you for creating this space, both right now for me to to share openly and honestly my stories, my background, uh, but also just creating a space for teachers to, to gather and come together and to live more courageously so we can better holistically support this next generation who we know desperately needs the unconditional love, acceptance, and support that uh, that this community can offer. So thank you for creating and leading such a, a courageous safe space. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, that just I made mean, my day. So thank you, Shane. Thank you for being here. We cannot wait to see you this summer. Now go get on that plane, head off to <laughs> Germany and keep changing the world. And we're all going to follow and cheer you on That's the right. entire way. We'll That's see you great. soon. Much love. Thank you. 
Wow, what an incredibly powerful episode. I have watched Shane and listened to his videos, and he's been a part of Get Your Teach On conferences in the past, but hearing his stories and the roles that individuals have played in his life, um, just incredibly powerful for us to remember the opportunity for impact that we have as teachers. So we hope that you enjoyed this episode. Um, We cannot wait to learn more from Shane this summer at the Get Your Teach On National Conference. And um, other than that, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode, but have an amazing week, everybody.